Alright, fact checkers, it is a brand new year, but we've got the same great coffee sponsor. So if you head over to Fox and Sons Coffee and use the promo code FCT for fact check this, you get 15% off any order of $25 or more. Also, be sure to check out the new blends that Steve's got over there. We've got the Den Blend 2 Electric Boogaloo. This is a medium roast coffee. If the dark roast was a little too robust for you, but the light was not quite getting what you needed, check out the medium roast. It is fantastic. And also, they've got a brand new one. It's the Costa Rica Honey Prep. Now, this is the same great coffee, but with a little bit of a floral aroma. You're going to really want to check this one out. So head over to Fox and Sons Coffee and use the promo code FCT at checkout to get that 15% off any order over $25. Let's get started. This episode will be completely taken out of context. Welcome to the Fact Check This Podcast. All right, Fact Check This Podcast, and today I'm going to take a look at an article in Newsweek. So we've seen the COVID amnesty article, and then I looked at a couple other articles that did a, mm, one of them did a slightly better, and the other one did a just absolute on the nose uh, explanation of what went on with with the whole COVID and the fallout since then. So today we're going to take a look at a article from Newsweek, and this is an opinion piece from uh, Kevin Bass, who is a MS, MD, PhD student um, in medical school and is a contributor to Newsweek. Notice I said Newsweek, not Newsmax. I guess at some point I could talk about the about Newsmax getting taken off of, uh, I think, DirecTV, but anyway, or AT&T. Another topic for another time. We're going to, we're going to pull this up. This is, so one of the big critiques of the COVID amnesty thing and some of the other things that have come out of this whole situation since then is that a lot of the people who have been on the wrong of on the wrong side of this whole thing are unwilling to admit to being wrong and are unwilling to admit to any wrong doings and instead just want a forgive and forget type of a thing and that that rubs people the wrong way because we saw we saw the very and I talked about this in a uh, a daily episode like the statistics very clearly show that people who actually I guess it was in the might have been in the why didn't they warn us one yeah that's what it was um the people who are more in the COVID regime camp have been the ones who have been much more hostile and uh, discriminatory towards those in the unvaccinated camp and the uh, hesitant or questioning camps. So, so what we really want is some sincere apologies, not a amnesty. And this article is certainly better. So let's go ahead and... and Go ahead and pull this up, and I want to preface the entire thing with whatever is said 
YouTube, this is the opinion of Kevin Bass, writing in Newsweek. These are not my opinions or my necessary beliefs, at least not explicitly. So don't take me down for using the words of somebody else, you motherfuckers. It's time for the scientific community to admit we were wrong about COVID and it cost lives. As a medical student and researcher, I staunchly supported the efforts of the public health authorities when it came to COVID-19. I believed that the authorities responded to the largest public health crisis of our lives with compassion, diligence, and scientific expertise. I was with them when they called for lockdowns, vaccines, and boosters. I was wrong. We in the scientific community were wrong, and it cost lives. I can see now that the scientific community from the CDC to the WHO to the FDA and their representatives repeatedly overstated the evidence and misled the public about its own views and policies, including on natural versus artificial immunity, school closures and disease transmission, aerosol spread, mass mandates and vaccine effectiveness and safety, especially among the young. All of these were scientific mistakes at the time, not in hindsight. Amazingly, some of these obfuscations continue to the present day. But perhaps more important than any individual error was how inherently flawed the overall approach of the scientific community was and continues to be. It was flawed in a way that undermined its efficacy and resulted in thousands, if not millions, of preventable deaths. I'm loving the direction of this because he's saying all the things that we've been saying for the last two and a half years. What we did not properly appreciate is that preferences determine how scientific expertise is used and that our preferences might be, indeed, our preferences were very different from many of the people that we serve. We created policy based on our preferences, then justified it using data. And then we portrayed those opposing our efforts as misguided, ignorant, selfish, and evil. That whole uh, using stats to tell lies is a really interesting trick that they like to pull especially when for this particular case the stats that they were using weren't even real stats they were actually using projections and models and stuff like that we made science a team sport and in doing so we made it no longer science it became us versus them and they responded the only way anyone might expect them to by resisting it's funny how that works it doesn't uh doesn't require a psychology to degree to understand how people who are being pushed will push back. We excluded important parts of the population from policy development and castigated critics, which meant that we deployed a monolithic response across an exceptionally diverse nation, forged a society more fractured than ever, and exacerbated long-standing health and economic disparities. Our emotional response and ingrained partisanship prevented us from seeing the full impact of our actions on the people we are supposed to serve. We systematically minimized the downsides of the interventions we imposed, imposed without the input, consent, and recognition of those forced to live with them. In doing so, we violated the autonomy of those who would be most negatively impacted by our policies, the poor, the working class, small business owners, blacks and Latinos and children, and never mind, like, cancer patients, people who were actually sick during all of that. These populations were overlooked because they were made invisible to us by their systematic exclusion from the dominant 
corporatized media machine that presumed omniscience. Most of us did not speak up in support of alternative views, and many of us tried to suppress them. <laughs> you don't say. When strong scientific voices like world-renowned Stanford professors John Ioannidis, J. Bhattacharya, and Scott Atlas, or University of California San Francisco professor Vinay Prasad and Monica Gandhi sounded the alarm on behalf of vulnerable communities, they faced severe censure by relentless mobs of critics and detractors in the scientific community, often not on the basis of fact, but solely on the basis of differences in scientific opinion. That was kind of like the uh, the mob that went after Joe Rogan over the ivermectin stuff. It was they had no facts or evidence to back anything that they were saying, and most of them weren't even actually doctors or even to the degree this guy is being a uh, a research student. I mean, they were podcasters and shit, uh, completely out of the medical field entirely. Those were the experts. When former President Trump pointed out the downsides of intervention, he was dismissed publicly as a buffoon. And when Dr. Anthony Fauci opposed Trump and became the hero of the public health community, we gave him our support to do and say what he wanted, even when he was wrong. That I'm glad he acknowledges that much because Fauci has been wrong a lot. And they still stand by him and they're like, oh, no, no, this is why it's fine that he's like – fucked up every health crisis for as long as he's been uh, in the position that he's in. Crazy how that works, right? Uh, Trump was not remotely perfect, nor were the academic critics of consensus policy. But the scorn that we laid on them was a disaster for public trust and the pandemic response. Our approach alienated, alienated large segments of the population from what should have been a national collaborative project. And we pray, paid the price. The rage of those marginalized by the expert class exploded onto the dominated social exploded onto and dominated social media. Lacking the scientific lexicon to express their disagreement, many dissidents turned to conspiracy theories, theories and a cottage industry of scientific contortionists to make their case against the expert class consensus that dominated the pandemic mainstream. I'm going to stop the share for just a second and discuss this particular line where he says, uh, lacking the scientific lexicon to express their disagreement, we were bringing you, we were bringing you statistics and data and actual research that had been previously done. We were showing you where we were coming from, where we were finding our evidence. We were not a bunch of fucking conspiracy theorist kooks that were just pulling shit off the fucking out of 4chan or Q or some dumb shit. We were actually bringing you the fucking evidence, proving, showing why we did not think this was right. In fucking April of 2020, I was writing long pieces about how being removed from social settings and being removed from support groups was enormously damaging to people who suffer from anxiety, depression, 
drug re, uh, who are in drug rehabilitation. And you know what we saw? People with anxiety, depression, and who had been on drugs fucking committing suicide at record rates. I wasn't some fucking conspiracy theorist pulling this shit out of my ass. I was actually bringing stats and figures and data that prove that these things exist over history, not just exist in 2020. It wasn't some new fucking thing. I wasn't some lacking the scientific what the fuck ever. I brought you the science and it got removed more often than not. We got censored. We got silenced. We got banned and suspended and removed. We got told that we were conspiracy theorists quacks when we were bringing you the actual fucking evidence. So I've been on board with this guy right up to this line, but that pisses me the fuck off because we brought receipts and you told us we were quacks. Deep breaths. You gonna finish this article? Labeling this speech misinformation and blaming it on scientific illiteracy and ignorance, the government conspired with big tech to aggressively suppress it, erasing the valid political concerns of the government's opponents. And this despite the fact that pandemic policy was created by a razor-thin sliver of American society who anointed themselves to preside over the working class. This is what we were screaming about. There aren't even elected officials are doing this shit. Members of academia, government, medicine, journalists, tech, and public health who were highly educated and privileged. Mm, are they really that educated, though? From the comfort of their privilege, this elite, pri uh, this elite prizes paternalism as opposed to average Americans who loud self-reliance and whose daily routines demand that they reckon with risk. That many of our leaders neglected to consider the lived experience of those across the class divide is unconscionable. Incomprehensible to us due to this class divide, we severely judged lockdown critics as lazy, backwards, and even evil. We dismissed as grifters those who represented their interests. We believed misinformation energized the ignorant, and we refused to accept that such people simply had a different, valid point of view. We crafted policy for the people without consulting them. If our public health officials had led with less hubris, the course of the pandemic in the United States might have had a very different outcome with far fewer lost lives. Instead, we have witnessed a massive and ongoing loss of life in America due to distrust of vaccines and the healthcare system. Here we go with this shit. A massive concentration of wealth by already wealthy elites. That's the big one. A rise in suicides and gun violence, especially among the poor. The You can tell it's Newsweek. The gun violence is not the thing to look at, and it's not even risen. It's being more heavily reported on, but it's not, statistically it hasn't actually gone up any at all. Um, but in fact, I think there are some, uh, in certain areas of the country, there's even good evidence that it's going down, but it's being more talked about because there's an agenda being driven with that. A near doubling of the rate of depression and anxiety disorders, especially among the young. Hello. I was telling you all about this in April of 2020. It's not, this isn't news. Should have just fucking listened. A catastrophic loss of educational attainment among already disadvantaged children 
And among those vulnerable, a massive loss of trust in healthcare, science, scientific authorities, and political leaders more broadly. That's actually a really good thing. The more loss of trust you have societal, societally in the healthcare, science, scientific authorities, and political leaders and authorities, the better we're all going to be. Because those are the people who have been fucking up our lives for at least 40 years, probably a lot longer than that. I And I, I don't know that there is a... I would like to see the statistical evidence that there is a loss of life due to distrust of vaccines and the healthcare system. I know vaccination rates are way down, but I'm not seeing, I haven't seen other statistics that would indicate that people are dying of the things that like has uh, are measles and mumps and those sorts of things, like making huge comebacks, like are children dying at excessive rates from chicken pox, um, you know. I haven't seen the statistics that would indicate that any of these things are actually true, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes, uh, how that plays out going forward, I suppose. My motivation for writing this is simple. It's clear to me that for public trust to be restored in science, scientists should publicly discuss what went right and what went wrong during the pandemic and where we could have done better. It's okay to be wrong and admit where one was wrong and what one learned. That's a central part of the way science works. Yet I fear that many are too entrenched in groupthink and too afraid to publicly take responsibility to do this. Solving these problems in the long term requires a greater commitment to pluralism and tolerance in our institutions, including the inclusion of critical and unpopular voices. Intellectual elitism, credentialism, and classism must end. Restoring trust in public health and our democracy depends on it. It's a, it's a well-written article. It's, it's honestly like 90 to 95% what people are wanting to see and hear come from that camp, the pro-lockdown, pro-vaccine mandate camp. It's to actually admit that you were wrong own it and say, how do we get this right? And the way you get that right is by actually listening to the people who were talking and telling you all of these things that it was, like I said, it wasn't conspiracy theories. We had, we had the receipts and y'all chose to ignore them. Or in some cases, to literally burn them so that they couldn't be used anymore. Looking at that 2010 Fauci study on the efficacy of masks that literally doesn't exist anymore. It was a article, a research study on the uh, NIH that detailed mask usage and went into the actual efficacy of its use of their of the usage of different types of masks in different types of environments 
and when mask mandates became a thing, it got scrubbed from the internet. See, that's what we're pissed off about. It's not just that we're pissed off because we were right and you called us kooks and conspiracy theorists. It's not just because you were objectively wrong and refused to listen to what anybody else was saying. It's because not only were we right, but when we brought receipts to show you that we were right, somehow that stuff got memory hold. And completely fucking disappeared. Hey, it's some some Ministry of Truth shit that, on a dystopian level, for real. We watched Brave New World and and 1984 come to fruition in 2020. We got to read the playbook from V for Vendetta live in real time. Like all of the worst dystopian futures we got to see it all get hammered home and there was a percentage of us that were screaming this is not good and all of you sheep need to wake the fuck up and y'all told us we were conspiracy theorists and kooks this is at least a step in the right direction and hopefully more people hopefully prominent people within the scientific community start to start to take a page from this book and start to actually have serious conversations about this stuff. Or if not, it'll be like the, uh, well, those articles I read last week that said, you know, could very well create so much mistrust that next time something like this happens, it will be even more divisive and the response will be even less effective and even more catastrophic to the people who they should be aiming to help that'll be it for today be sure to tune back in next week uh, i've actually got several articles that are like longer good ones that i want to do like this plus i have a whole bunch of like shorter stuff that i'm doing for the daily stuff putting out a ton of content check it all out please feel free if you don't want to pay for the first month hit me up and i'll send you a link <clears throat> to a trial subscription and you can get a month free and you can see if the stuff that i'm putting out every day is actually worth your five bucks i mean i think it is it's only five bucks what else are you going to do with it buy a, a sausage cheese mcmuffin oh if you get a mcgriddle if you get mcgriddles instead of mcmuffins i understand the mcgriddle is good but if you're getting the mcmuffin fuck that throw that five bucks my way you can afford it come on help a brother out that'll be it for today Thank you to everybody who does subscribe. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to check out the daily tomorrow. And in the meantime, I'll see all the rest of you next Monday. Bye. We've got a brand new sponsor for 2023, and I am really excited to partner with Agorist Acres. Now, agoristacres.com, you can find over 100 varieties of seeds. They've got vegetables, flowers, all kinds of stuff. They've got heritage brands everything that you want to start any kind of garden that you need. It's free shipping on any order of $20 or more. They've got cool packaging and most of the seeds come in a fancy glass vial, no paper envelopes. They accept US dollar and crypto and can easily take either at checkout. Now be sure to head over to agoristacres.com and anything that you get, use the promo code FCT at checkout for 10% off your order. I say all the time, 
that you need to be starting your own garden, you need to be growing your own food, you need to be getting off the grid and becoming less dependent on grocery stores and stuff like that. Agorist Acres is a great first start. They have got everything you need for whatever kind of garden you want. Great people, great product, highly recommend. So go check them out.